Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Sister Kylie, I won't use the other verse of scripture, the other text. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Haven't we been having a great time in church? I think spring arrived early at our church. Weather may not be that great, but there's just a revival spirit. Great things are happening with our people. We're seeing healings. People are receiving the Holy Ghost. Great altar services. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is both an instruction and a promise. If you instruct and if you train, There's a promise that comes with it. And I want to speak to you on this subject, the chance of our choices. The chance of our choices. And I want to give you something while you're still paying attention on your feet that I want you to always remember. Until children reach the age of understanding, all they have are parents. Until they reach the age of understanding, all they have are parents. You say, well, wait a minute, they've got pastors and Sunday school teachers. No, you are the primary example of your home. You are. So until children reach understanding, all they have is parents. The chance of your choices. God bless you, you may be seated. It's good to have both the Carlson and Barningham families with us today. We have Wyatt. We've got Carlson's over on this side. Wave your hands, Carlson's. There they are. Wyatt Carlson. Nick and Angela. And of course, the grandparents are here, Lyman and Deanna. That's great to see them. And then we've got the Barningham family, Ben and Melissa. their daughter Molly and we've got of course you wouldn't know it but Kevin and Joan are grandparents and it's good to see Enola with us and your family good to have you all with us praise God our heavenly father came to redeem us to teach us and to example us as to how to be a good parent. 1 Samuel chapter two and verse 21, hereunto were you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Aren't you glad for a God that leads by example? We don't serve a dictator. We serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but he's also our heavenly father. He's also a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
He's a redeemer, a savior, and a Lord, but he's also our father. He said, I and my father are one. When you've seen me, you've seen all you're ever gonna see of the father. He is the express visible image of the invisible God. And one of the reasons that he came was to show us how to walk and how to live. Now the plan that he has for us gives us a chance so that we can make a choice. Joshua chapter 24, when he stood before the nation of Israel and verse 14 he said, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice the order in which he spoke. But as for me, we could stop right there and preach the rest of the morning. But as for me, you see, I'm, I'm hooked up to the locomotive of this train. And so it starts with me. I was out of town a few days this week. Uh, for the first time in my life, I took a train ride. Um, I went to preach for Brother James East in uh, Texas, and it takes 29 hours to get to Texas by train. So you're spending the better part of two days, two days there, two days back, and two days in Texas. And I asked Brother East when I got off of the train, I said, Brother East, did you pray for my train ride? And he said, oh, absolutely. And I said, well, let me tell you how it started out. I got on the train and there's no assigned seating. I went with Amtrak and uh, I got on the train and I sat where I thought I was supposed to be seated and the man came up to me and said, sir, you're in the wrong car. I said, well, I'm sorry. I said, what car should I be in? He said, well, I have a seat for you. I didn't hear him say that to anybody else, but he said, I have a seat for you. He said, follow me. So. He took me into the next car and he sat me down to a lady. And I'm gonna be polite in saying this, but this was a lady that works evenings and sleeps days. And she said, "Uh, I used to work in Chicago and now I'm going to Houston. Looks like you and I are gonna be partners the whole trip. Thank you, Brother East for praying for me. I kept putting my ring by my mouth. Very happily married, kept talking about my wife, children, grandchildren, you know. Riding on a train. You know, this train is bound for glory, this train. We're on our way to heaven and I'm so glad. There are tracks that are laid. We need to stay on track. We've got not only a locomotive, but we've got a conductor. But parents hook up behind Jesus. 
because children need to be attached to them as well. Can you, can you understand what I'm saying? The train knows where it's going. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He knows where he's going. He's got the power to get us there. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But behind that locomotive, there are cars. And it starts with the father and the mother, and all the rest of us are hooked up to that. This train is bound for glory. The chances are, as we read from Joshua, that our greatest opportunity lies in the example of our parents. Now don't preach ahead of me today, okay? Don't preach ahead of me. But the chances are very good that you're gonna be very much like the parents that you have. Chances are good. But with that chance, you will get to make your own choices. You will make your own choices. Their job is to give you a chance to make the right choice. Joshua said, as for me, and then I will instruct my house. We will serve the Lord. He couldn't say that the whole nation would. He could only speak for himself and for the way that he was going to raise his household. The chances are that you'll be like your parents in your values and even in your work ethic because that's what you've observed. The chances are that when you get married, you'll treat your spouse the way that you've seen your parents treat one another because that's what you've observed. Your faithfulness to the house of God will be very similar to that of your parents. Again, that's what you've observed. Could I say this to you? Be careful about the decisions you make about attending church services and ministry. Because when that car, when father and mother get disconnected from the way the train's going, everything behind them gets disconnected too. If I don't go to church and I make excuses, my wife will probably follow my example. And if I don't go to church, and if I'm not faithful, hey, I don't, always, I don't always feel like going to church. I don't always feel like working either. But I work. Because that's what we're supposed to do. And oftentimes, when you get to where you belong, you're gonna find out that that's exactly what you needed. That was the message. That was the moment that was the chance you had to be in the presence of God to save your entire week. And you missed it. And you made an excuse and it cost you and it cost your family. You know what? The way you worship or don't worship is the same way your kids will be. I like watching families in our church. I, I look for the positive things. I'm by nature a positive person. I don't like dwelling on the negative. Can I give you one of my famous sayings? After every storm, you have the opportunity to view two things, mud holes or rainbows. What are you looking for?
You know, if you want to look for negative things, you'll find them in this church. You want to look for positive things, you'll find them too. Can you say amen? And so this is the thing that I've learned. Stay positive. I've watched families bring their children to the altar this big. Kneel down with their mom and dad and lift their hands in the air and pray before a service or after a service. I watch sometimes when I'm on the platform in the congregation and I watch people worship and those little kids are looking up at them and going like this when they see their parents' hands up in the air. You are, you are teaching, listen parents, you are teaching all the time. You are always teaching. Not just in church, but all the time. Always teaching. I heard one story of one young man. The, uh, the parents were, were coming home one night after church. On, they had a Sunday night service and they were coming home. And the father said, man, he said, that worship service was too loud. Ooh, I had to cover my ears, it was so loud. That preacher, he preached too long. And he just went on and on, nagging, kind of complaining about things that were observed in the service. And his little boy reached over and said, well, dad, he said, it's still a pretty good value. I, I saw what you gave in the offering. It's still a pretty good value for a dollar. You are teaching all the time. And you get in here and you smile and you slap one another on the back and you hug one another and then you go talk bad about one another, you're still teaching. You're teaching and you're raising a hypocrite. You better be careful what you say. Because you're teaching all the time. You know, you need to teach your children to give. You need to teach your children stewardship. I've, I've got to tell you that when I was growing up, my parents didn't teach me to give. My parents didn't teach me how to, how to balance a checkbook, how to set up a budget. Say, well, they don't, they don't make very much money. They don't need to have a budget. Yes, they do. If you're faithful in a few things, you can be ruler over many things. God can increase you. But if you can't handle $10, why should God give you 100 or 1,000 or 10,000? The principle is still the same. Boy, it's quiet in here. And you need to sit down with them and say, hey, you're making $40 a month. How are you gonna spend that money? Teach them, teach them, so that they don't have to go through what you and I have gone through. Teach them, because they're always observing. They're always watching what you're doing. You know that your involvement in ministry will be their involvement in ministry, in all likelihood? I came through the back doors this morning and here stood Tim Carlson and Silas. Where's Tim and Silas? 
Silas is probably in Sunday school. He's about this big, standing at the door, ready to shake my hand, next to his dad, who was there to shake my other hand. Boy, I like seeing that. Man, get them while they're young. Teach them, hey, you, you can help me today, son. You can be an usher with me. You can take your, you can take your kids to ministry and they'll grow up in the ministry. But if you deprive them of ministry, if you just say, I'm not getting involved in anything, I'm just coming to church and I'm going home, the chances are good, the chances are good that they'll be the same. My dad always said to me, son, I, I said to my, son, my dad this, and this is what he, I'll tell you what he said to me in a minute. I said, dad, I wanna be just like you. And he said, son, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Remember that, Linda? I want you to be better than me. You know what I want for my kids and my grandkids? I don't want them to be just like me. I want them to be better than me. But I gotta give them a place to start. And then God and they will go beyond that and be better than me. How many of you want that for your kids? I want my kids to have a better marriage a better relationship with God, a closer walk with God. But I gotta give them a place to start. I gotta give them a chance to know God so that they can make a choice to walk with God. You say, well, what if I don't have good parents? What if I wasn't raised in a home where we got along well? You've got another chance. And you get another choice. Watch this, Ezekiel chapter 18. Now we're not gonna, we're not going to baptize babies. I'm just gonna take a minute while you turn into Ezekiel 18 and tell you why. Nowhere in the scripture were infants ever baptized. And the reason for that is, is that they do not meet the qualifications. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. An infant can't repent. They don't know what repentance is. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. They don't know what to believe. They are in a state of innocence until they reach an age of understanding. When they reach an age of understanding and they can come to an altar and God can show them what they need to do in his word and by his spirit, they can make their own choice. Until then, because of their lack of understanding, they are under their parents' umbrella. And the parents bring the child to the temple, as was the case in Samuel and others, bring the child to the temple and the priest would lay his hands on them and the congregation would pray for them as they dedicated the child to the Lord. That's why it's unique that we'd have two dedications and one baptism. We have a 17 year old who's gonna be baptized because he just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Riley Peterson. Riley, where's Riley? Riley Peterson. Riley, wave your hand so I can see it. There's Riley. Okay. 
but he understands. He still lives with his parents, but he understands and he knows what he needs to do and, and God has filled him with the Holy Ghost. But the infants don't. Now watch Ezekiel chapter 18. Behold, this is verse four, 18 and four. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the father, so also the soul of the son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man will do if a man be just and do that which is right. See, he goes, he's gonna go on and say, if you do the things that are right, you'll be blessed. Now, if you take the time, and I suggest you do, take the time to read this chapter. You'll see a righteous man followed by an unrighteous son, followed by a righteous son of his. The pattern will change. Even the wicked will be mentioned in this chapter. But it is pointed out that all souls are individuals and will stand before God individually. Individually, you will stand before God. You cannot inherit salvation. You gotta have your own. Gotta have your own. You can do good or you can do evil. That's your choice. You get to make a choice. See, life is filled with chances followed by choices. We don't know how many chances we're gonna get, but for every chance, we've had a choice. I know that that's simplistic, but you gotta understand that. Our job is to give people a chance so that they can make a choice. Let me share this with you. I am not, I, I was not raised in the church. I am a first generation Pentecostal. I am apostolic in my doctrine. I am Pentecostal in my experience. But I was not raised this way. Brother Flick mentioned that he was raised in a Methodist church, so was I. Good church, good church. But I, I was not raised in what I'm experiencing now. But one day, in 1973, somebody gave me a chance. Somebody invited me to church, and I got to make my own choice. See, when you get a chance, it will be followed by a choice, and you will get to make that choice every day for the rest of your life. You can stop serving God anywhere you want along the way. Not everybody that starts this race is gonna finish this race. I've seen greater men than me fall, and so have you. Greater women have fallen than you. If you're in this, it's by the grace of God and by the mercy of God and by the choice you make every day every day. You get to make the choice. He provides the mercy. He provides the grace. He provides the power. But you still get to make the choice. You get to make the choice. And as parents, what we're doing is we're teaching and training and giving them a chance to know the Lord 
so that they can make their own choice. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. This is heavy, folks. This is heavy. I don't know if you can picture this, but Peter is standing before them and saying, hey, you're the ones. God made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. How'd you like to hear that message? Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That's what conviction does. I said that's what conviction does. It pricks your heart. It doesn't condemn your heart. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction tries to get you to move to the proper place. Condemnation tries to take you to hell. So they were convicted. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Let me tell you what I see here. I see people that are convicted of their sin asking for a chance. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, what are we gonna do now? Is there any hope for us? If we're the ones responsible for his death, then surely we're lost. Is there anything that we can do? Is there any hope for us? Maybe you came here today feeling that way. Maybe you're carrying the sin of the world on your life. Maybe you feel guilty about your past. Maybe even now you're thinking about the things that you've said or thought or done, even recently, that bring you conviction. And you're wondering how you can escape. Where's your chance? Well, Peter gave him a chance, and I'm gonna give you one too. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You asked for a chance. God gave me the keys to the kingdom. I'm telling you how you can respond to your conviction so that you can be saved from your sin. I'm giving you a chance so that you can make a choice. It is said that there were approximately one million people in Jerusalem that day. 120 had just received the Holy Ghost. And at the conclusion of this chapter, 3,000 will be baptized in Jesus' name. 3,000 will respond. They'll take advantage of the chance by making a choice. And we say, woo, 3,000. What about the rest? 
Why weren't there 999,000? Nine, pick any number you want. Because they got to make their own choice. But they were being given a chance. It was quiet in here, but that's what the Spirit of God does. It begins to speak to each of us. And sometimes, this is what I'm learning, God's still teaching me about preaching. Sometimes when you preach to people and you think there should be a thunderous response, it's because they're thinking about what you're saying and what they need to do with what they are learning. So take your time. I'm just here to give you a chance so that you can make a choice. And not just you, but the rest of the train behind you. Because the next verse says, for the promise is unto you, and it's unto your children, and it's unto those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is a family message. This is a community message. This is a worldwide message. Worldwide. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You're not just hearing the voice of a man. You're hearing the voice of God. When you hear God's word, it's God speaking. You may not like the speaker, but you can't deny the message. It's your chance for you to make a choice. I don't know how many people are here today. I don't know how many have not been baptized in Jesus' name or received the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many have not repented. I don't know how many have not repented. I don't even know how many will be here next week, next month, next year. That'll be your choice. But the pulpit and the word and the spirit should give you a chance. When I first got saved, I first came into the church, I had such zeal and fire. And I remember shortly after coming into the church, I had dreams on consecutive nights, two nights in a row. First night, I was back at Oak Creek High School, back in the gym on the old high school team playing basketball. And all of a sudden, all the way around that basketball floor, a ring of fire came up into the bleachers. Started on the ground level and started burning itself upward and people were doing everything they could to escape, running up as high as they could and they were screaming. And the Lord woke me up and I said, Lord, what does this mean? And he said, your friends are lost. What are you gonna do about it? Just keep playing games? That's convicting, folks. That's convicting. Second night, I have another dream. In this dream, there's a white throne and the Lord is sitting on a white throne and the church is behind him and fortunately for me, I'm in this dream and I'm behind him and people are coming before him and they're being judged. One of the people that's being judged, I recognized and when 
when I saw him coming to the throne and there was a brief eye contact with him and I turned away quickly. I didn't want to look at him. And he stood before the Lord and I don't know what they said, but when the Lord was done, he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And he pointed him to the left. And he started to walk that way, but then he stopped. And he pointed at me and looked at me. And this is what he said, and I've never forgot it in 40 years. He said, and you never gave me a chance. You never gave me a chance. And I hope that God will speak to you today and give you the same dream. When you work with people, you're the only chance they've got. When you walk through a grocery store, this may be the chance that they've been waiting for all along. When somebody gets sick in your family and they say, pray for me, it's your chance to respond to the need of your family and possibly to their salvation. But if you don't give them a chance, then they don't have a choice. I am so thankful that God can use the gifts of the Spirit in this church. Messages and tongues. Can I share this with you? Some gifts are more obvious than others. Messages and tongues, one, two, or at the most three, and one interpret. We're more familiar with that, but there are many more gifts that are being used in the congregation than those. And God just spoke to us about the mercy and the grace that he has shown us in his compassion. You got a chance. Praise God, I'm sure glad you made the right choice. But what about other people that are waiting for theirs? And you're the one. You see... The reason that God gave the children that he did to each of our families was because he believed that was the best place they could be and would provide them with the greatest opportunity to be saved. So, oh, I don't believe that, Brother Kylie. People have been born to crackheads and all kinds of... Listen, when things really get bad, 
that's really a great opportunity to know the Lord. If God sits you down next to a prostitute on a train, that might be her only chance. So give them a chance so that they can make the right choice. Now the chances are much better for the, Bar- for the Barningham's and for the Carlson's that their children are gonna be raised right. But you know where most of the responsibility falls? It's not on Molly and it's not on Wyatt. It's on Nick and Angela, Ben and Melissa, Lyman and Deanna, Kevin and Joan. Do I need to go on? If God put you in that family, it was so that you'd have a chance to know how to walk and how to serve God. But someday, Molly and Wyatt will make their own choices. And as the family of God, we're here to support that. Amen? This is the family of God. And we love and support one another. So I'm going to ask Nick and Angela to bring Wyatt and Ben and Melissa to bring Molly. Just bring them right up to the front. And once they get up here, we'll give the immediate family a chance to join them. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, family members. You've come today to be a part of this dedication. We'll give you the first opportunity to join us up here. Pastors and pastor's wives that are here, would you please come and join me on the platform? We're gonna pray for these young people and these families. Praise God. All right, let's stand together. We're gonna have a family altar today. I'm gonna ask you to come as close as you can. Pray for these children and their parents. Bring your family. This would be a great day to have a family altar together today. Remember, you're the only Jesus that some will ever see. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray for the couple first. Jesus, we pray for... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.